Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Welcome back to the Hoodoo Factory. We hope you enjoyed part A where we declared that the winner of the ABSA for excellence in this podcast. Now we are back for part B, where we will discuss this episode in further detail. I'm Tom, and I'm here with Thaddeus and Lauren discussing our 50th episode, the third of our three episodes in our Bilbastic unit. We're here. We're going to kick off part B by taking a look at our ABSA fever categories from part A. The contestants will get to share what other items they had on their list, and I, as host, will give the, my favorites from the episode as well. So let's start with favorite scenes. Um, there were a lot of scenes in this one. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, what were what was another one of your favorite scenes from this that we didn't mention? Um, I like you know I I think I took Thad's number one and then he took my number two as his number one and so I mean the, there were so many great scenes. Um, the next one I had on my list that wasn't called out was um, the scene where Bill is leaving the mental hospital and saying goodbye to Fred. Right. Um, it has all the appearances of a heartfelt goodbye, but it still manages to be packed full of little jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I just thought it was a really nice scene, a nice way to cap off that episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that what was one of one of your other favorite ones. Um, I actually like the the closing credit scene, uh, because it's just it's like it's so bad, but it makes so much sense <laughs> in the fact of like everybody's gone. Bill's in the institution. Catherine and uh, Dave are on the road. He drove Lisa away. Literally, the only two people left, and nobody knows what happened to Matthew. Beth is doing whatever that does. <laughs> but like literally the only two people left are Mr. James and Joe to put on a show and it's terrible, you know? And so in the overall, you know, the overall idea of it being the network trying to, you know, force them to do the stuff, kind of like being like, well, this is what you're left with when you do that. I'm kind of like, I like this scene a little bit, a little bit. I'm not sure what you're talking about on the podcast that we are doing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, I wonder if that's actually one of the first times that we see Mr. James go into that whole media weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, his his poor uh, camera. On camera, we know he's bad. Right. Apparently on mic on also. Mic. Yeah, his public persona has got to be pretty bad when it's not a scripted uh, press conference or something. Right. All right. I had down um, the Urkelbot scene as yeah. one of my favorites. I just, like... You know, it's, it, the way it's shot is really cool. Like, you never see that, like, from the top. Um, and I, I love it when they finally pull back, guys, wasn't that great? And then it gets, like, a round of applause after describing yeah. <laughs> the ins and outs of the Urkelbot <laughs> interview scene. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was really good. Any other ones? 
I only had one more that hasn't already been mentioned. Um, and it's that first scene of Lisa and Joe co-hosting together, you know, the argumentative mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, mostly just coming from uh, the concept of showing that scene to a new person. I'd like to show that scene to a new person and tell them that's where Joe Rogan got the idea for his podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But he's crazy. (laughs) Good connection. Any others? Think, I mean, I think the second time they're in the booth is, I think that's pretty much all the scenes in the episode. Yeah. Like, is it? it Did we Good. did we cover like just the Dave and Catherine? Uh, we did talk about it, but like that was another scene that you know was really good. The expository oh, right after scene. the opening, yeah, credits, yeah. 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 Just right. again, Catherine's hiccup or like you know just a little laugh that. Oh, so, good. <laughs> so good. Okay, how about uh, favorite quotes? What quotes did we miss, uh, Thad? Um, I have for, for no real reason in particular, when Joe is doing his proposal, he asked for Lisa's heavy hand in marriage, which yeah. makes me laugh. Yeah. And then <laughs> at the end of it, so he goes into like during the all important drive time period. <laughs> and like, there's just something about like that whole proposal, the way he does it on air just cracks me up. So that's, that, that's one of the things that I laugh at every time I hear. Yeah, your heavy hand in marriage. I know that was like a thing, but like, why was that a thing? It just sounds so bad. It's like, oh, what? Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Lauren, what, what was a quote that you liked? I really like, yeah, crazy like a fox. Look who's eating all the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's snacks. it's a line read for me. It's. It's just so great, and the enthusiasm behind it, it's just such a great line. <laughs> I don't know how I would use that in real life, but I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> and it, it's not the first time that snacks have come up in this season, like, you know, like mm. the snacks that we so richly deserve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought about how important snacking is to the overall office. <laughs> I, you know, it's an essential part of the show. Yeah, it's essential in my life. Um I, I really liked, um, if you ever fly into LaGuardia, just know I'm down there trying to figure out how the hell to stop these planes from crashing into each other. <laughs> <laughs> from Fred. That, to me, seems like what air traffic controlling would be. Mm. <laughs> trying like hell not to let them run into each other. Lauren, any other ones? Um, I've got a few more. Um, I really like, without my constant supervision, the real world goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's usable, too. That was going to be like a runner-up for, for yeah. um, part A, because I think, you know, anytime someone suggests, like, um, someone's telling you, oh, just blow off work today, call in sick or whatever, it's like, oh, I can't. Without my constant supervision, the real world goes to hell in a handbasket. That? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have... I just have the point. It's like I think he might actually be crazy. <laughs> but like it, it, again, just kind of breaking it up. Like we're just like, wow, how deep are these guys in establishing this ward uh, world? Basically, that they've kind of set up. We've got this guy. We got that guy. It's like no, that, I think that guy actually might be crazy. We got to keep an eye on him. Um, it, just so like the delivery and the timing of that, I just really like that. So yeah, I um I liked uh, Beth's line. Um, I think this is just one of those problems that you have to throw more money at. (laughs) (laughs) I had another Beth line on my list. Okay. um, 
is the Swedish massage here administered by an actual Swede? <laughs> and then it's like it's also it's the line plus the way she looks at the the stylist behind her after she says it, like she's waiting for an answer. Right. And the stylist is just like, "Is this lady serious?" <laughs> <laughs> it was a great little moment. Yeah. Really loved that. <laughs> that and I don't, I don't have any more. Nope. Yeah, I I don't have any more either. Um, any more, Lauren? I I have one last one. Okay. Um, no, but you do sound just like the guy in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I just like the idea that he hears voices in his head and they happen to sound exactly like Phil Hartman. And then this guy just wanders into his life and he's like, oh, hey, it's you. (laughs) I I like imagining that playing out. (laughs) That was my last one. Very good. Okay, well, before we move on to the next category, we're going to do something a little different than we normally do. Normally, I would try to confuse the situation with some half-truths and gorilla dust. However, our 50th episode was a very special episode in that it got the pop-up video treatment. In case you're too young to know what pop-up video is, that's where you would normally view a music video or a TV show or a movie, and word bubbles would periodically pop up on the screen and give you facts about behind-the-scenes information or, or what's going on on screen. So it's it was its own half-truths and gorilla dust just way before our time. Um, so we've reviewed it, and we're going to give you some of our favorite pop-ups uh, and kind of give you the facts that way. So, uh, Lauren... Give us your your best three bubbles that came up. Um, The first one that interested me was that it said there's no 27th precinct in New York City. Mm -hmm. So it it was printed on the side of the police car when it rolls up to um, find out, you know, what's going on with Bill and this this meter maid person. I, I was interested to know, is that is that really true? Is it still true? And it appears to be still true. There is a 26th and a 28th precinct. So they just, I don't know what happened to 27th, but it's not there. Uh, Both the 26th and the 28th are in Manhattan. So it would make sense that the 27th probably would have been also. Mm -hmm. Um, But the 27th precinct is also featured on Law and Order. And now I'm going to be kind of like watching the background of, um, you know, TV shows, sitcoms, movies set in New York to see if that's like, is that the one they use because it's not real? Like maybe that's the one that gets approved for TV. Yeah. Um, the second one that caught my attention was, um, it said that, uh, in the scene where, um, Andy Dick's walking through with the crackers stuck to him, he doesn't even have any lines, but it pops up that that was actor Andy Dick's only appearance. His other scenes were cut. Um, that got me wondering what other scenes was he supposed to be in? So I went to WNYXnewsradio.com and I looked at the script archive and there were actually two versions of the script for this episode posted Mm. there. Mm. Um, One was the shooting draft, which is almost word for word exactly what we see on the screen. But there's also a revised table draft, which would have been an earlier draft of the script. And um, it was quite a bit longer, had some extra scenes in it. It was like 71 pages versus the shooting draft was 58 pages. So sounds like a lot of stuff got cut. Um, but there were a couple Matthew scenes. So one would have been right after the opening credits, but before that scene where we see Catherine go into Dave's office to explain what happened to Bill, which kind of made more sense to me because Catherine has this line of, 
Bill might not be coming in at all. You know, it kind of <laughs> insinuates that like there was a previous conversation mm -hmm. where they said he's going to be late or something. Right. So there was a very, very short scene where they're at the conference table um, and Dave says, does anybody know why Bill is over an hour late? And Matthew says he probably got screwed up by daylight savings time. And Dave says that was three weeks ago. And Matthew says, exactly. You know, delayed reaction. You think you have it beaten and boom, it kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> and and then Joe says, is that why you're still writing 1989 on your checks? That was that whole scene. <laughs> um, there was another scene, and it's pretty long, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but um, it would, would take place after Bill has refused to let Dave and Catherine get him out of the mental institute. They go back to the office and tell the rest of the staff that Bill is in an insane asylum. That was Dave's words. <laughs> and uh, Matthew flips out and tries to rally the troops um, to go break Bill out. And he tries to lead the charge three times, but no one follows him. <laughs> Everyone ignores him every single time. And finally, he just says he'll do it himself and he leaves. And the button is Catherine saying, that boy could definitely benefit from some regularly scheduled snack times. <laughs> <laughs> so those were the, the Matthew scenes that... Um, that would have been cut um, per, per the pop-up. And uh, I, I have no idea. They probably didn't shoot them since they weren't in the shooting draft. But right. that would be really great if there was footage of that out there somewhere. Um, and my third pop-up that caught my eye was uh, that Candy wrote the button for a particular scene herself. So that was the scene where uh, Dave is sort of being tempted by the idea of vacationing in a mental institute and uh, how, how great it would be to never make any decisions. So Candy wrote the line, right, like Lisa ever lets you make any decisions. <laughs> so um, I kind of wanted to see like what would have been the button for that scene, you know, before she pitched that idea. Um, but what I found in the script was that that scene was strikingly different. It was actually Catherine who was the one who was tempted by the idea of vacationing in the mental institute and Dave telling her what a bad idea it was. Um, so oh, yeah, so Dave walks out and tells her to come on and she's kind of like looking on at the patients having their snack time and she's like, Dave, why don't we ever have snack time in the office? And Dave goes, remember, we tried that and no one could agree on the snacks. And then Catherine goes, mm-hmm. And that was the scene. <laughs> so I think it's a little more true to character the way they played it, that it was, yeah. um, you know, Dave was the one who sort of liked the idea of vacationing in a mental institute. And um, Catherine was the one who snapped him back to reality. <laughs> Those are my favorite pop-ups. Very good. Um, Thad, what were some of your favorite pop-ups? All right, it's three of my favorite pop-ups. Um, so the first one was Beth's scenes being shot separately. She was filming uh, Mouse Hunt. So I, I'm not sure if she was just on a different schedule or how they kind of worked it out, but they, they did her scene separately. Uh, and to me, that was actually really great because I could not figure out why she was in these weird wigs and, and having all this stuff done just just in terms of like her character like okay she's gonna go out and do market research but why is she always got something on her essentially um especially that that huge wig that she's got on at the very end when he calls her and tells her to come back uh i you know, like it gave me some peace <laughs> it basically gave me some peace uh that there was a reason why it was kind of outlandish and it didn't really feel connected to everything else um so i did like the explanation um the second pop-up fact that i really liked uh, there was a statistic about the percentage of psychiatrists who had been attacked by their patients. And then it followed up by saying 85% of psychiatrists have been attracted to their patients. Uh, and I was like, well, that's super interesting. 
And then I thought about how many, like the whole idea of somebody who's crazy being hot. And I was going through and I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, like I knew this girl and she was definitely hot and she was definitely crazy. And she would definitely go to a therapist, a psychiatrist. And I can completely understand why he would find her attractive, you know, but again, hopefully he's doing his job and he knows that she is crazy and to stay away. Um, not, not that, but like they develop, they develop a relationship with him. So it makes sense that there would be some sort of attraction that they know is uh, taboo and unprofessional. And the last pop-up fact that I really liked uh, was was that the news radio execs told news radio to put on a wedding to boost the ratings and the whole lisa and jimmy and joe storyline was essentially their kind of like rebuttal to that request and saying no <laughs> um so it really kind of explains the whole like at first again it feels a little bit disconnected from the rest but now that i know the purpose uh, i really liked it you know jimmy represents the network he's the boss who is trying to force feed uh these ideas and these stunts and gimmicks onto the talent you know the talent is just kind of putting up with it uh joe <laughs> joe is that stunt casting or that you know stunt that they try to pull you know, and Lisa just ends up leaving. And then, like I said uh, before, at the very end of the show, you have just Jimmy and Joe sitting in a booth, not making a good product. They've driven everybody else <laughs> off. Uh, so I really I really find that whole storyline a lot funnier, knowing what they were actually kind of making fun of and knowing what oh, they yeah. were actually doing and thumbing their nose at the, uh, at the executives who wanted to influence their program. Absolutely. Yep. So those are the three that I really enjoyed, the pop-ups I really enjoyed. Cool. Good deal. Okay, my three. Um, in the opening credits when Andy Dick's name pops up, um, there's a pop-up that said, real name. So that kind of got me thinking, like, did any of the cast use, were they all using their real names? And pretty much everybody was, um, at least their last names. The only, you know, there were some shortening of names like Philip Hartman to Phil Hartman, that kind of thing, which is normal. Um, however, uh, Candy Alexander, Candy is not her real first name. Her full name is Harriet Renee Alexander, which sounds like she should be gardening in England or something, but no, <laughs> she's Candy Alexander. Um, so that was, that was interesting. I was actually surprised that nobody else had like a stage name, but maybe that's, maybe that's going out of style more and more as we've gotten, gotten farther along. Um, the second one I, I picked was, um, when, during the scene where Bill is running away from uh, the cops, they they show up in the picture. There's a hot dog cart, and they said real hot dog cart, and so that got me thinking. Like, okay, how many hot dog carts are there in in New York City? Like, what's the um, what's the number? Because it seems like you know in any show there's always a hot dog cart, right? Um, as, as far as set in New York City. Well, that's because they're fairly ubiquitous. Uh, there's 3,100 um, licenses for hot dog carts in, in the city. Um, and they, all, they, they get apparently different prices based on where they uh, are. If, hmm. if you're in a kind of like a low traffic area that's not like very touristy or anything, you're paying a lot lower price. But if you're like in Central Park, you're paying uh, close to half a million dollars for the license. Hmm. Which is crazy because oh that's you, you got to do a lot of you got to do a lot of business to make that worthwhile, but I guess <laughs> they do. Um, got to sling a lot of dogs. Yeah, and so <laughs> a, apparently, like kind of like a, a baseline average is a, um, these carts generally 
on average sell about 400 a day uh, times 3100 carts that's about a million two uh, one million two two hundred forty thousand dogs a day average wow. uh, that's 452 million a year so I'm just shy of half a billion hot dogs a year um, kind of average uh, for sales in New York City which is a lot of pig sweepings so <laughs> well, no. it turns my stomach a little bit. <laughs> um the last the last one i had um towards the end of the show when um when fred and mike are saying goodbye um he says to tune in to 585 and it pops up that 585 a.m is actually a station in pago pago it still is i think it's different now than it, it was then but they there's still a station that uses that um they're KJAL in American Samoa. That's where Pago Pago is. It's the capital of American <laughs> Samoa, which is 7,217 miles away from New York City. A little random, but there you go. So that is uh, the pop up video section um, and your half truths and gorilla dust. We'll get back to uh, our favorite gags. Uh, any other gags that, that you guys? I uh, wanted to highlight, um, I think you covered the ones that I came up with, but uh, anything else? I actually have one that didn't make it into the episode, but okay. I kind of wanted to share it because sure. it was in the script, and I, I thought it was funny if they could have included it. So mm -hmm. Jimmy has this line about, what does Johnny Lunchpail think? Yeah. And that was actually supposed to be a running gag through the episode. So he, he would say a name like that, and then you don't hear Beth say it, but clearly she's asking him, like, who's that or something mm -hmm. like that and he, and he goes it's, it's not a real person it's just a figure of speech <laughs> and he does this with johnny lunch pail and jack hardhat and blue collar bob and then <laughs> and then <laughs> lisa chimed in to say something about uh jack hardhat and jimmy corrects her patronizingly saying lisa jack hardhat's not a real person okay it's just an expression which continues the other running gag of the series of lisa trying to get in on a joke and the, the gag getting shut down usually by Jimmy. <laughs> so I was like, it was like a little runner through the episode, but also ties into a bigger running gag for the series. So I just wanted to mention that. Wish they could have left that in. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, any others? No, I, I think we got all the ones before. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a running gag heavy one. No. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, favorite details. Um, I thought you nailed the fire good. That was, that was definitely <laughs> the one that I, I picked out. Um, honestly, I did not know that you guys would. I thought maybe that would be the one I might know that you guys wouldn't because it was a little older for SNL. So, but yeah, good on you. Um, any other details that you guys caught? Um, I just like a, a nice touch that I thought was the the way Bill puts his cigarette in his mouth at the end after saying goodbye to Fred. There's just something about the way he just barely gets it caught in his lips, you know, mm -hmm. and then he kind of hangs his hands down at his side and turns around and kind of struts out. Um, there was just something about it that was very comedic, you know, and it, there was no direction in the script for him to do anything like that. So that was just um, either direction given on the day or something he came up with himself. But I thought it was like a nice little touch on the end of the scene without adding any extra lines or anything. Sure. Um, I've got a good one and I've got a bad one. Uh, 
so the okay. good one is going to be in the cold open. I re- you know I really enjoy the pantomiming, like just the over exaggeration of the express of the uh, the motions and everything else. And so my favorite is is when the cop decides to arrest Bill. He throws his hands up in the air like he's at it, and then he grabs him <laughs> and turns him around. And it's just like again, like the, the everybody's good. The meter maid is gesturing, and everybody's just that. But they, when he just throws his hands up in the air like he's done with it, I was like, ah, that's that's uh, there's something about it that's so important and kind of showing how the scene flips. All right, from just being like, you know, this guy is just kind of running his mouth. To all of a sudden, we've taken it to the next level. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> that's my good one that I like to call out. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, I, I actually, yeah, from the cold open, I, I really like the, uh, the meter maid. She was, I thought she was spot mm-hmm. on, like between gesturing the bill and trying to write the ticket just rang very true as to like exactly how that interaction would go on because she's probably seen 12 bills or, or people that have just done the same crap and she's had the same arguments over and over. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was good. Uh, what was your what was your bad one? So this is my bad one. This is bad because this is one of the only times that I kind of have a, a, a dislike for Beth. Um, and when she is on the phone with Jimmy, I believe the first time she has the mask on, mm-hmm. uh, and they're talking, and she holds out this bottle of nail polish and kind of like shakes it in the face of the nail technician, and mm-hmm. I was like. This bitch. <laughs> right away, my first reaction is like, this bitch. Um, you know, and it's terrible. It's like, man, like, I can't think of many other times where I dislike Beth or I don't like something that she did or, you know, feel strongly. But that was, it was just so kind of like degrading uh, mm-hmm. that I was like, mm. <laughs> I caught it and I can't let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't like that little maneuver either. I thought, I was like, I, you know, Beth, I just don't see her doing something like that. No matter how how high she got on the power of the corporate credit card, I don't see her treating a person like that. Right. There was an an additional Beth cut scene too, um, where she was in a dress shop trying on like very fancy designer gowns, and she's arguing with the lady at the dress shop because she wants the lady to cut out the midsection <laughs> of all the dresses, and the lady's like, "I am not going to cut out the midsection of a twenty five hundred dollar gown," and Beth's like, "I'll pay extra for it. I'll pick them up later," and I was like. Like, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound like Beth to me either. I, the, the bare midsection does, well, yeah. but the way she would talk to the, the lady who worked there didn't sound right to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No good. All right. Um, any additional keepsakes? I liked the radio that Bill and Fred mm, were listening to in the mental hospital. I mean, it's it's hard to come by something like that these days. Right. Where, do you, where do you find a radio? You know, everything you listen to is, you know, through your phone or whatever. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't have anything else that I really, I really was like, oh yeah, I should take that home and put it up somewhere. <laughs> it, it was okay. mentioned earlier, but I had the, I had the doctor's tie. That um, was on my know, list too. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that was good. Um, I also uh, Bill's pajamas just to display, like maybe just the pajama top, like in a, in a case. That would be, that'd be good. Yeah, I mean he paid fifteen cigarettes for. Him. That's right. <laughs> Maybe just oh, the cigarettes, and if you, too. If you'd like to know where he got those cigarettes, there was another cut scene. There was ah. a lot of stuff that could have been in this episode. But there was another scene of him telling the story of an episode of Three's Company. 
Mm-hmm. And um, there's all these patients sitting around listening. And then as he finishes the story, um, Fred collects a cigarette from everyone who was listening in a little hat and, and hands them to Bill. Like that was their their payment for getting to enjoy the story. Uh, okay. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Um, any other keepsakes? No? Okay. Um, moving on. How about Enigma's uh, smothered in secret sauce? Uh, Thad. Um, let's see, we kind of covered a couple, like, uh, I asked about 10 to 6 being the official schedule. Uh, we agreed that Beth was in Atlantic City. You know, I think uh, the only real question there is how much money would she spend if, uh, (laughs) on this, on this, uh, fact-finding mission that she's supposedly on. Um, but the next question I really have is why is Bill so afraid of electroshock therapy? Uh, because that's the line that gets him to try to escape uh, and end up in that hole, basically, with John Lovitz. He's like, I think we should probably just go to sleep. And he's like, oh, you need your energy. Day two is when they start electroshock therapy. And next thing you know, they're climbing out the window. So I'm, I'm kind of like, man, for all the things that we know Bill has been through in his entire life, like, what is it about electroshock therapy? It's like, I got to get out of here, and I got to get out of here now. Uh, hmm. I think it was probably the Gorelli 3000 that he stunned himself with. <laughs> That's actually probably right. That's actually the, probably the right answer. <laughs> Enigma no more. Solved. <laughs> Solved. Yeah, that's a good point. Lauren, any other enigmas? Um, so originally my first most burning question was what did Bill want to say to Beth? Because at snack time, he tells Dave and Catherine, give my regards to everyone at the office and tell Beth I, and then he gets cut off. And I was like, what did he want to say to Beth? Well, it was in the script. (laughs) So demystified, he wanted her to water his plants, which of course we get to see in the airport (laughs) or we think she thinks she's watering his plants. Um, so since that question was no longer a question, my next one was um, everything we've ever seen of Bill's personal life indicates that he's an alcoholic. So why is he not having alcohol withdrawals in the mental institute? And shouldn't that be his main motivation to get out? <laughs> like, got to go get a drink. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, I had, how long did that chase scene from the op- the cold open go on? How long was Bill <laughs> able to avoid uh, capture? <laughs> <laughs> with his hands behind his back running hunched over um it's a good question yeah and also how how did how did uh mike originally get put down as as bill's name was right. it was it just that fred filled out some paperwork himself and said <laughs> oh it says here it's mike or was it some was it like a clerical error on the way in i don't know um lauren any others uh, just one other small one is like, why did Bill stop for coffee on his way to the office at all? You know, like we see him drink the office coffee all the time. So what, what was different about that day that he had to stop somewhere for a cup of coffee? <laughs> hmm. The whole episode could have been avoided if he just went straight to the office and poured himself a, a cup of coffee there. Maybe they didn't have any gelato. That's why he was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he was in it for the gelato. He was in it for gelato. They didn't have it. He comes out, he's going to tick it. No, you settle down. <laughs> it's so funny that that little tiny sip is the only thing that you can yeah. kind of hear. No, you settle down. So good. Uh, my other one was: um, How long do you keep an air traffic controller employed that periodically gets put in a, in a mental ward? Um, does, does, doesn't that 
count against you at some point. I mean, I think there's they're pretty well regulated. Like you can only do it like for so long and up until a certain age, and then they, like you you have to get mm. out. All right. Well, moving on, we're going to a segment that we call a time capsule from the internet with Lauren. All right. So. There was a rumor flying around this week that had the message boards in a tizzy. It had been rumored that Phil Hartman had decided not to return to the show for season four because he was mad at the frequent time slot changes. There was also a rumor that because of Hartman supposedly quitting, NBC had decided to cancel the show. And this was all apparently spurred by a soundbite on Access Hollywood of Phil saying he might have to consider leaving if NBC didn't get their act together. So they took that and ran with it. Um, The message boards were split between people believing the rumor and spiraling out in despair and others saying they don't believe everything they read on the internet and nothing is decided yet. And as we know, of course, Phil did come back for season four. And uh, even without Phil, you know, they got a season five before NBC finally pulled the plug. (laughs) Um, This was also around the time that the infamous Rolling Stone interview with Paul Sims came out. Mm. You'd probably know the one I'm talking about. It's the article that inspired the entire plot of the episode Mistake, which aired just six weeks after this episode. So Mm -hmm. that was the article in which Paul Sims made some heated comments about NBC and then had to write an entire episode as a sort of apology. Um, It would appear that tensions between the cast and crew and the network were at an all-time high at this point in time. (laughs) (laughs) so the whole bit about um you know thumbing their nose to the the wedding storyline request probably didn't help anything (laughs) probably not (laughs) there were some people complaining that nbc wasn't doing enough promotion of news radio and that was the reason the ratings were dropping someone with the username bug who i'm sure has been mentioned in this segment before, came to the message boards to defend himself as the guy that actually makes the Wednesday night NBC promos every week. Mm. Um, He said he gave news radio 9.5 seconds of the 30 seconds he was allotted to promote the Wednesday night lineup this week because he loves the show and he believes in it. And that put an end to those complaints. (laughs) Well, thanks, bud. Yeah. So this has been a time capsule from the internaut. Thank you, Lauren. Um, so we'll move on to a little general discussion about the cast. Any any notes that you guys have uh, about the cast this week or on this episode? I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I feel like I already said a whole lot about Catherine's reactions. Yeah. But I mean, once again, brilliant Catherine reactions. That's something that I think we've seen through this whole unit and I mean, really through the whole series, every episode that she was a part of, but it's really on display here in this episode. I thought it was great. Yeah. If, if Bill's being an ass, like you can bet there's <laughs> going to be some Catherine reaction to it. Uh, any other notes? Um, I, I thought it provided an interesting dynamic to see Beth sort of working against Jimmy. Hmm. I don't think we see that very often. They're usually on the same side. Aside from like profit sharing, that storyline right. where um, she, you know, she quits and and he wants her back, but he can't say it. Um, usually, they're on the same team, and I can't think of another time besides that that she's actively working against him. So it was interesting to see them mix it up a little like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it is uh, also interesting to see uh, Catherine and Dave kind of as a team. 
Um, normally, Dave has teamed up with other people, but Catherine very, very few times. So it was it was interesting to see that that dynamic. Um, sorry, were you going to say something, Dad? All I wanted to say was that, you know, Catherine and Lisa, I think, look great in this episode. You know, we talk about uh, how they dress all the time. We talk about, uh, you know, the outfits that we like or we don't like. And I thought in this episode they looked, you know, they looked great, you know, in, in all the all the scenes. And <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that. I am not feeling Joe's shirt. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> in the booth with the white shoulders. Uh, but, um, but yeah, again, <laughs> like we want to give credit when credit is due. And it is definitely due. Gotcha. Okay, um, how about some added scenes, uh, something on the fly? Um, Thad, anything that you would like to see added? Yeah, what I would have liked is if they did some sort of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off parody montage with a bath, um, which I know practically is not something that could have been done. Um, but again, if Beth is basically taking the credit card and just kind of running things out, I absolutely would have loved to see her doing like a Donka Shane and a on a parade or something that's taking place, you know, uh, possibly getting herself into some fancy, you know, uh, restaurant food tavern on the green, perhaps uh, just to <laughs> just to kind of like show it out. But I like again, when you have that kind of like cutting cutting school to, to go cause mischief, I would have loved some sort of Ferris Bueller type of parody that they could have snuck in there. But, you know, that's <laughs> that's asking a lot. Very good, um, Lauren. Uh, any anything you'd like to have added? Um, so I want to see the scene of Dave taking a phone call from the bank, saying the corporate credit card is over its limit, and Beth is standing there listening to him take the call, and she tries to like slowly back out of the office, but she doesn't <laughs> quite make it out before he hangs up the phone. And then he tells her, you know, the bank is faxing over a statement, and he tells her to bring it to him, and um, then cut to. Dave in his office, he's got Beth and Jimmy there on his couch, and he's just reading the list of charges one by one. And uh, Beth is trying to explain to Jimmy how each one of those charges related directly to the market research he asked her to do. And Jimmy's trying his best to defend Beth, but it gets harder and harder as the list goes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's the scene I want to see. <laughs> the HR violation. Uh, the, the scene that I would like to see is uh, when Bill gets back in, into the, the broadcasting booth and goes back to the real deal. And <laughs> he also proposes to Lisa on air uh, because Jimmy has told him this formula works based on his research. Can I just say, it made me so uncomfortable watching Joe Rogan say, will you marry me? Right. It was like on par unsettling with like, um, you know, that scene where Matthew's standing like way too close to James Caan. It was that sort of uncomfortable feeling. Like I, I shouldn't be watching this. This is something horribly wrong is happening here. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I didn't Did react that strongly. It. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah oh, I this is funny. Uh, any other uh added scenes i've i've got a scene that i did not come up with but it was in the script and i really wish we could have seen it because okay. i didn't think the joe lisa storyline was was that strong yeah. it's not definitely not my favorite part of the episode but so we see two scenes with them going on the air together there was a third scene and i thought it would have been so much better than the other two and I, like i get like you can't keep everything it, we can't have an hour-long episode but there was the the first scene of them together was actually um they were interviewing a guest there was a guest named jack and he was in the booth with them 
And um, it was just Joe being very, very bad at understanding, like, we're supposed to be creating, like, an audio um, show for people to listen to. And he's just ready to, like, have a conversation. He keeps interrupting Lisa. Like, Lisa tries to turn the mic over to him since he obviously wants to speak. And then he's like, nah, go ahead, you know. (laughs) And uh, Lisa's like, well, Bill's out sick. And uh, and here's our guest, Jack. And Joe's like, he's not sick. (laughs) And Lisa's like, no, Bill is out sick. And he's like, yeah, but our guest isn't sick. You're not sick, right? And the, the guest like shakes his head. He's like, I didn't think so. And, like, that's the show. It, it's just it going completely off the rails. And I thought it sounded funnier than, um, you know, the argumentative scene or the, the fake uh, proposal scene. Uh-huh. Very good. Dad, any others? Uh, no, you just read the script, man. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> All right. Um, so now, uh, into our catch-all, um, any other, any other aspects that you guys wanted to bring up, uh, Lauren, anything? I mean, I could give you more facts from the script, but I think everyone's <laughs> getting sick of hearing that. <laughs> we're, we're scripted up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that, anything else? No, I, I think we pretty much got everything, uh, in other places. Okay. Well then let's move on to our, uh, plots explained badly slash uh, sensational headlines um lauren hit me with your <laughs> hit me with your uh plot explained badly slash headline okay a parking infraction spirals wildly out of control and lands a local reporter in a mental institution Very good. i'd click that yeah <laughs> this is definitely a clickbaity type of like episode to write for sure um that um <laughs> management sucks at doing staff's tasks radio owner bores city over airwaves <laughs> <laughs> i like that one That's um mine was shock jock nearly gets jock shocked oh <laughs> yes <laughs> now that's clickable <laughs> i feel like that's that's the episode you know just the summary that we read like oh i will click this what is this <laughs> four words okay any others um i've got a few more okay great um insider investigation reveals a new york mental institution is actually making sane people crazy not the other way around hmm. very good um, I know it's close. Uh, making your health insurance work for you. Vacationing on the city's dime in a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> it sounds like the Motley Fool or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lauren, you got one more? Uh, I'll do one more. Okay. okay. Um, corporate credit card fraud charges dropped when investigators were unable to uncover the perpetrator's last name. That's why she doesn't have a last name. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Okay, well, the next episode on the Hoodoo Factory Conveyor Belt will be the recapisode of our Billbastic unit. Until next time, please stop by the gift shop on your way out. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the supplier of the only known antidote for absa fever. Good night, Pumpkin. But a fuko to you too. Pantyhose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for absa fever.
Hey, you news radiologists, stick around to learn more about this adequate podcast that is also part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Stolen Dress Entertainment is proud to present Of Dice and Dens, a D&D podcast starring Elishana the Cleric, Navia the Centaur Fighter, What's his name? A human cowboy with a terrible memory. Grin, the hobbit rogue. Biznik the gnome. Warlock. And me, Dan, your dungeon master. If you enjoy action... Does that mean the man who course can just walk right out? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you hear roaring? Deception. Don't worry about her. She's actually two people <laughs> dressed as a centaur. Magic. Could Eldritch blast the lock? Son of a... Did you nab it? Four chickens appear on the ground next to Navia. And carpets. Fiznick wants everybody at his house to look at his rug and talk about... Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Is this a good old-fashioned rug warming party? (laughs) It is! Holy shit, I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's go. go. Then check us out at odndpodcast.com or wherever pods are casted.